as the myth turns. Because mythology is the greatest soap opera of all time. With your cultural interns, Eris and Z. Interns because we're not professionals. And we're not getting paid. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. I'm and we have a temp. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to be talking about love and soulmate myths around the world. Yeah. So, Z, do you want to sure, sure. off? Cool. So, um, I looked up, like, the term soulmate and wanted to figure out where it originated from. I got a couple different definitions. The first one was that it's just a person who's ideally suited to another as, like, a close friend or a romantic partner. So not necessarily, like the one you're meant to be with for forever and you're supposed to be married and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another one was a person who one has a feeling of deep or natural affinity, similar to like love, platonic, uh, romance, comfort, intimacy, can be sexual, whatever. So that was a bit different than what I expected because I just kind of expected it to be like the one who you're supposed to be in love with. Like your true love, your European fairy tale true love. Right, right, right. But it turned out that it it wasn't. Like the straight up definition is like, bitch, you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I came in with that idea too. And I'm, I'm glad it's not that because that thing is just so unhealthy. The idea of like, you need to find a partner who is ideally suited for you doesn't make a ton of sense. I think it makes more sense to think of as you need to find someone you're compatible with yeah, yeah. rather yeah. than ideal because yeah. everyone's going to have things that are going to bother you or just not quite click also i feel like the idea of true love especially like in the kind of modern sense of the idea like your true love your soulmate is very static and, and doesn't allow for the fact that people grow and are dynamic where we change so i looked up mostly like kind of the east asian mm-hmm. um kind of side of things along with like what i knew just like from growing up here in america we have soulmate had very frequently it was the idea of like the person you're gonna marry like in Chinese myth like the word soulmate actually is very heavily tied into like the god of matchmaking Mm -hmm. but it also means and especially in Japan means someone that you're like destined to help out in some form or capacity even if it was like only for that moment in time like you meet and I'm I'm imagining like samurais and stuff like on the battlefield (laughs) like somebody that you meet and then like you help out on the battlefield and then you separate and you literally never see each other again for the rest of your lives I'm just like ah one of those like epic kind of things like i only knew them for three months and then i never saw them again for the day like and that was your soulmate you just you just appeared in each other's lives at just the right time you did your thing and then you left yeah actually that kind of ties in with something that i found because like looking up the origin of of soulmate i had always thought that soulmate was a greek thing because i've heard about like plato saying that you know humans started as like a being with one soul and four arms and four legs and two faces whatever and then the gods like split them in half because they were afraid of how powerful they were and so that's powerful though right right (laughs) Um, So that's what I always thought it was, but actually Plato found that from, I believe, the Book of the Dead, which is Egyptian, and in in Plato's version, it's Zeus who splits them, but in Egyptian myth, it's Autumn, or Autumn-Ra, and um, so, yeah, words and shit. (laughs) So, interesting, yeah. Plato did his research. Yeah, so I always always thought it was Greek, but while I I was looking up the origin of it and stuff, I found that there's also, like, Twin Flame, which is kind of what you're talking about. Okay. Like, it's somebody that 
not necessarily romantic, which is kind of what soulmate tends to be, but that um, it's somebody that you meet in all of your other lives and you Uh just continuously re-meet over and over again. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you're, it's like a teacher-student relationship and sometimes it's like a brother-sister relationship or Mm -hmm. brother-brother, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that kind of is interesting that that stretches across cultures. So Susan Barker is this British novelist. Her father was Chinese Malaysian and she wrote this excellent book, The Incarnations, about these two, this pair of soulmates. But each time they meet, one of them horribly screws the other. (laughs) (laughs) And the the frame is that this is new taxi driver. He's alive now in the current moment of the book. Mm-hmm. And the person who has figured it out, the other soulmate has figured it out, and they're trying not to, to screw each other over this time. Aww. It's really That's a good cute. novel. It's a thousand pages. It's really long. It's really sorted, all the deaths, but it's good. I recommend it. That's cute. I, I did. That sound good. And I and I actually like that idea that kind of like the reincarnation of the soul. I'm I'm big into reincarnation anyway. But like, because it actually, because like I said, like one of the problems with soulmates is it it means it's very static. Like this person is perfect for you, and I'm like, in what moment of time? Now, later, and mm-hmm. you know, in the past, like were they perfect? And now I've grown too much. That allows like growth and change. Like you know, this continual reincarnation allows like the souls to I don't know, hopefully get better, have the opportunity to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, probably, let's be real, they're just going to keep fucking it up. But there's the opportunity for advancement. You know. Yeah. I, I also really like the idea that soulmates can be, like, your best friends. Because I feel like, at least I hope it's not just me, but I have had friends who have come into my life and it was, like, a crazy, uh, like, immediate click. Mm. And we were, like, best friends immediately. And then, like, six months later, we, like, didn't talk ever again. And especially, like, when I was younger. But it's always, like, a friend that, you know, is there, like, when you are having a rough time or whatever. And Mm. so I really like that idea that, like, they're there because they were meant to be. Like, they were destined to be there to help you out or you were to help them or whatever. I wonder if there's, like, multiple soulmates. You know, it's like, is it only one that you collect with? Because I feel like that's happened to me a couple times in my life. Yeah. Like, I meet someone and, like, I, it's like I don't even remember the meeting of them anymore. It's just, Mm. like, from one second to the next, it was, like, this instant, how nice to meet you, weird blackout, and then it's just, like, we've known each other forever. Like, this kind of thing. Most recently, that's happened a couple years ago I took a weekend trip down to Dallas because I was going to hang out with some friends of mine who had moved down there a couple years back and they had invited over new friends that they had made while living down there in Texas and I met with this one girl right now I literally cannot remember her name at all but I met her and I know there was probably a 20 minute gap in there where all of a sudden we were just like fucking besties for the whole weekend trip and for whatever stupid reason like I never got her phone number it almost makes me kind of like those whirlwind romances kind of thing right that's kind of romance yeah like I don't think she was into me like that but at the same time like I mean I could have been into her like (laughs) like that could have whirlwind bromance whirlwind that should be the title of this episode (laughs) whirlwind bromance yes kind of along the same lines are like the friends who you re-meet over and over again? 
Yeah. Like, I want I don't, I feel like I should have looked that up, but I just now thought about it. But, mm-hmm. like, so I was born in Georgia and um, on an army base. Mm-hmm. And I moved around a lot up until I was, like, four. And then we moved to Oklahoma and then we moved to Tulsa a few years after that. And in high school, I met this girl who was born three months and, like, two days, or no, it was, it was, like, one month and three days or something like that, mm-hmm. after me, delivered by the same doctor, oh at the God. same hospital, on the same base, our wow. fathers were in the same troop, and we both were army brats for the same amount of years, moved uh-huh. back to Tulsa, or back to Oklahoma, moved to two different places before coming to this school and meeting wow. each other, and we were friends for, like, a year before we found that out. Wow. And so, like, but that's, like, like, I've also had other friends that it was kind of, like, I had seen them or met them or whatever. We ran in the same circles, and then I never, like, ever talked to them mm-hmm. until, like, out of high school. And then we met and became really good friends. And so I, I, I want to know what, like, the word is for that. I feel like there's there's got to be a word for be. that. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's, more, it's more than just a coincidence. It's, yeah. It's, it's almost like, I don't know, like, well, actually, uh was about to say the thing that I researched because <laughs> it was because the thing that I researched is something that I that I've heard about in literature and stuff and especially like especially in the fanfic world um the red string of fate which comes from China but then Japan and Korea also use like it adopted as well. it yeah um I mean, because I mean like Japan for sure is very old because it was like six thousand years BC or something that it was a colony of China so like yeah. you, they still have lots of uh lots of carryover. The Red String of Fate is, from what little I found, like, I'm born with it. It's, like, this metaphysical, like, literally a thread. In China, it's tied around your ankle. Mm-hmm. And in Japan and Korea, it's tied around your pinky. Um, and it connects you to your soulmate. Like, it's, like, a metaphysical thread. And it can tangle and it can stretch, but it'll never break. In Chinese myth, there's this god, um, and I am going to mess up the name, Yue Xia Lao Wen. I found that, too. And it says that his name is often abbreviated to Yue Lao. Yes. Yes, so. I saw that, too. Yeah. And I don't know if he, like, attaches them or if he, like, is now in charge of, now that they've been attached, to handles, like, I don't know, the, the paperwork of it. Right. <laughs> the, the bureaucracy. <laughs> He's like, hold, hold on, hold on, I have an index card for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so, like, studying cosmology and mythology, and especially other worlds mythology, has got, for me, became a lot easier when I literally started thinking of everything as a gigantic cosmic bureaucracy. And it just started making more sense. So are there, like, gods of bureaucracy? Is there in any culture, like, a god of useless paperwork? I'm pretty sure there has to be. And if not, I think there definitely is one in America. There must be. The god of triplicate rules all. Yeah. yeah, I feel like at work, that's me. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> right? yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> prayed to that God, and that God has so kindly given me their their divine You're approval, right. and I have, like, through prayer, have made my way through terrible secretary forms You're that welcome. I had to fill out when I was working as a, as a law secretary. You're welcome. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll leave out a plate of cookies. No, because there are some times where you just break down, and you're like, anybody <laughs> listening, I know. No one of you has has purview over this, and and if you would be so kind, I will wash my car. I will the in payment for this. Please just let me get through these forms, and it's like the boom, like it happens. Right. Everybody during tax season. Right. Yeah. Yes. There's a god of taxes for sure. Uh, I don't know what their name is, but they Washington. are very powerful. Oh, okay. <laughs> we could be. Was Jefferson more taxes? I think he was. Taxes it's Jefferson. Or Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Hamilton. Hamilton and 
reinvented our economy, at least according to Lin-Manuel Miranda's play, <laughs> which is basically the extent of my knowledge on Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> the extent of most Americans' knowledge of Alexander yeah. Hamilton is isn't, Hamilton. Isn't he the guy that was like, I'm going to challenge some other dude to a duel, and then that other, it was either him or the other dude called the cops because duels were illegal. Isn't oh, that God, that, that, I, mean, I don't probably think so. I mean, he been... died in a duel. Yes. But my understanding yeah. is that Aaron Burr just wanted to kill Hamilton. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I think it was somebody else. Because which is kind of like tra- very tragic because they actually used to be friends. More friendly than co-workers. Hmm. But not it was like a whirlwind a- bromance. <laughs> but not quite besties. Like Do they we were think, never at bestie I mean, level. The big question to answer with this podcast. Are Hamilton and Burr soulmates? I actually think they oh were. Oh god, that's so like, okay, according to the play, like, they met when they were both very young. Hamilton was trying to get into the university that Burr was at. They kept re-meeting over and over again throughout the revolution. Like, Burr basically wanted to be George Washington's secretary. Like, so he was, like, trying out for it. Was, like, basically trying to convince George, like, this is, these are it. This is my resume. These are my credentials. I won this battle. I did this. And then George Washington was like, that's cute. Send in that Hamilton kid. And Burr was like, not him again. <laughs> like, they both courted, like, or tried to court the same family Hamilton ended up marrying Eliza and like Burr didn't like like but they were they were definitely like flirting the Schuler the Skylar sister I always say Schuler because it's like S-C-H-U it's Skylar yeah. the Skylar sister so like they, they kept like re-meeting and butting heads and they ended up working for the same law firm this is like this is during the Articles of Confederation it's not even the United States yet like United States is our second form of government we've had yep. independent yep. Of, of England which I literally did not learn that until I was in college my high school like failed me so hard <laughs> yeah. I was like you mean the con- Constitution wasn't the thing that just came out right out of the bat after the war was over? Nope. We had one disastrous government before that happened. And now we have another one. (laughs) Now we have another disastrous government. It was pretty damn cool if you were a white, straight, Christian, landowning male. That was who they made the Constitution for. I don't fit into any of those Anybody else was just fucking screwed. To all the fascists listening, fuck you. Fuck yeah, yeah, fuck you, fascists, yeah. <laughs> I hope that sounded like I was going to apologize for a second there. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did a little bit. I was like, no, listen. <laughs> Dude, there's no apologies here. Only guillotines. Um... <laughs> <Cha-cha-cha-cha>. <laughs> I like that we both motioned that. We're both like, up with their heads. This is a podcast. Visual aid. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Hamilton and Burr. I think soulmates. they were soulmates. Bam. But they were like the angry kind, the, the we gonna keep fucking each other yeah. kind. So like they were Harry like from Potter and Draco Malfoy, <laughs> totally soulmates. Yeah, you know, I dig, I dig. <laughs> like this asshole again. Also, Loki, Romeo, and Tybalt. Yeah, yeah. yeah Everyone, I mean, everybody's like star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet, bitch. Did you see that banter between Romeo and Tybalt? Yeah, okay. but I'm just saying, Romeo probably would have been better off with Mercutio, I'm just saying. Okay, but I love Mercutio. You can't put... Think about what you're doing to Mercutio, though. Oh, that's true, that's, that's true. true, that's true. That's true. Oh, God, no, he Mercutio, deserved better. You're too good for this world, too pure. <laughs> <laughs> he should have had better friends. 
But, oh gosh, anyway, we're so off topic. So yeah, so we have like the Red Thread of Fate, we have the Twin Flames. Um, Red Thread of Fate is actually where Pinky Swears come in, which I, th- which I thought was pretty cute. Because it, it started in Japan with the whole like, because your thread is tied around your pinky, like metaphysically your thread is tied around your pinky. And so the Pinky Swear was like, like if I break this promise, I'll cut off my pinky, essentially. There's like a longer, like an entire like poem that kind of goes with it, like like a chant i guess a little song but yeah it's called yubi kitty is the pinky swear in japan which That's literally okay. means yubi finger kitty to cut like so nice. it's your my, my finger cutting off swear <laughs> <laughs> i actually didn't know that but um me and, and the boy toy whenever we pinky swear we always say like remember if you break your pinky swear i get to break your pinky and I don't know when we started saying that. We just did one day. Yeah. So I think that's really fun. Well, to, even in America to... that picked it up, I think, from Japan. Yeah. Because um, we didn't start doing it until 1860, which was actually well mm-hmm. after Japanese like immigration kind of started like going out and visiting other cultures and other countries. So I think we picked it up from like Japanese immigrants and stuff. This yeah. whole like yubikiri thing. And then even in America, our thing was just like, if I break my promise, like may Satan rise up and like drag me into hell. And I'm like, my God, this is like... <laughs> Intense pinky swears. <laughs> right, like, so I'm like, you know, break your finger. That makes sense. That, that tracks for me. <laughs> I did, I did. Do you think people made such intense promises because everyone was keeping them? Or do you think everyone was just a liar? And they had to make up these, like, intense swears to, to stop the lying. You know, I think it depends on the culture. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Japanese history and Japanese culture, even now, modern day, but in the past, too, was well known in other people's countries as being like super honorable mm. and honest, <laughs> but in America, <laughs> we're like we some dishonest. We like invented the term snake oil salesman. That was us. <laughs> we well. are the most dishonest folk. <laughs> you know, yeah. we we didn't invent lying, but we perfected it. <laughs> When you're founded on genocide, there's only so many other bad things you can do. I'm just popping in here real quick to give a shout out to our sponsors. I wanted to thank Pack Mule Photography in Coweta, Oklahoma for sponsoring this episode. They've been with us from the beginning. They specialize in family and personnel portrait photography. So check them out at packmulephotography.com. Also, I wanted to thank Mac Boyle for producing this episode and providing us with so much valuable advice. We really appreciate it. Today's random fact is brought to you by Z. Uh, Okay, so from February 13th to the 15th, the Romans celebrated the Feast of Lupercalia. Mm -hmm. Like, the men would sacrifice a dog or a goat or whatever, and then, like, women would line up to be beaten with the flesh and the hides of those animals that were just killed. Okay. Yeah, because they believed that um, it would make them more fertile. There was also, like, a list of names, basically, that would be drawn, almost like speed dating, or or not speed dating, but almost like a blind date, and they would couple, aka do the do, aka bang. Uh, I'm really hoping that this beating that they did was kind of like a sexy fun beating. Yeah. Like like less they... of a whipping and more of like a, ooh, spank me. <laughs> yeah. Also, I hope that they cleaned the hides first, but probably not, let's be honest. Uh, so they would, they would be paired off like that. And then, um, for those like three days from the 13th to the 15th of February, Mm -hmm. they would like do the do. And then if they like, liked doing the do with each other, they would get married. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then. So uh, romantic. 
Yeah, you know, so romantic. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Emperor Claudius II killed two guys, both of them named Valentine. Okay. Um, on February 14th. It was different years. Mm. Uh, but it was on the same day in the 3rd century. Um, and so the Catholic Church honored their martyrdom uh, by naming them St. Valentine. Okay. Or like St. Valentine's Day, not each of them a saint. That makes sense that it's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that we've combined like the weird uh, sacrificing of animals, which honestly, I think we've actually kept up. Yeah. Valentine, I literally have steaks in <laughs> my refrigerator for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm, I, that's the only time of year I cook steak. Yeah. Is is basically like Valentine's Day. Here's a nice, like, here's this big hunking slab of meat that we are going to consume and then have sexy times. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we do on well, Valentine's Day. And the, and, and the Romans, pract- like, their, their this practice of this was, like, all done, like, while they were naked and drunk. And so, she, yeah. like, when, the Chris- when Christianity took it over, like, they maintained quite a bit of it. Like, they took out a lot of, like, the sacrifice and stuff because Christians aren't really into that. And then they just, like, made everybody put their clothes back on and then kept it. Kept the drunk, yeah. drunken shenanigans. It's like, yeah. you're gonna you have to learn, you're gonna have to learn how to have sex with clothes on. Yeah, you're just you gonna know. have to unzip that shit and, and that's be why discreet. We have, that's why we have skirts. <laughs> you know, you just lift up the skirts. So Valentine's Day isn't actually all that romantic so much as it is just... It's very fertile. Get, get, your, get your bang on. Get your bang on. And then we also coincidentally named it after some dead dudes. Yeah. <laughs> You know. <laughs> the dead dudes had nothing to do with Valentine, like with, with getting your getting your bang on yeah. at all. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody! <laughs> now back to the episode. But yeah, the, these are older myths that are definitely still have influence on us today. Um, yeah. But like, what are like like we we asked you to come on because. You're married, and like neither of us are, and so we were wondering what were some of the, we're going to use the word myth, but what were some of the myths that people told you to like prepare you for marriage? I know they happen a lot. There are two schools, I mean, and I'm a guy, um, so the the myths I get are are different than the myths that women get, Mm -hmm. Um, so just put that out there first. Um, The biggest one, and which was told to me repeatedly, like ad nauseum, was happy wife happy life um which is a myth absolutely because you no one is responsible for anyone else's happiness people are only responsible for their own happiness obviously i want my wife to be very happy but like say if she has a shit day at work i have no power over that i have none i can tell her a joke i can try to cheer her up but sometimes people are just sad because they had a bad day and so you're not responsible and then mental illness. I think 18.5% of adults in America suffer from mental illness. And yeah. Especially, like, I do pretty hard, especially this time of year when it's the seasonal affective disorder. And mm. So, like, my wife is not responsible for, like, pulling me out of mental illness because that would be ridiculous. Right. I don't, even, I don't even give my therapist, like, they're not responsible either for pulling me out of, like, whatever tailspin I may be in at any time. Yeah. And so that's, like, the first myth. It also plays into the, the, the whole concept of the advice that people give you is based in this strange idea of homogeny in gender. So like, even like when you get to the dating phase, there's things like, 
if you're a guy and you get a girl's number, the rule 10 years ago when I was still dating, um, I've been with my wife for 10 years. We've been married for a year and a half almost. Oh, right. oh. Thank you. I ship it. <laughs> I, gotta, I hope so. It's <laughs> but the, the thing is, though, if you get a girl's number, you're supposed to wait 48 hours before you text or call. That was oh. the rule then. But that doesn't make sense. Like, some women might like that. They might like you more if you make them wait. Some women might just move on. And the same with guys. Because women aren't just one brain thing that does the same thing. Neither are men. Neither are people um, who are transgendered or genderqueer. No one is just like, it's not like one homogenous group that just yeah. does the same thing all the time. Because that'd yeah. be ridiculous. I'm, I'm be honest here. If you waited a full 20, like 448, God, two days? Yeah. Two days after I get, I wouldn't, I would not remember who you were. If like, we were like, we met at a bar and like, you were not, un, uh, you know, you were unencumbered and I was unencumbered and like, and I was like, this guy's pretty cute and he's kind of a nerd and likes comics. Here's my number. If you didn't like text me like two hours later, like yeah. even if you text me like 20 minutes after you got home, like the next morning I'd wake up and be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> Like, I would have no idea right. who you were. Like, and granted, that's part because I'm, like, super easily distracted and I have ADHD. But, like, I don't know. Like, you would think that you would try to submit yourself. Like, hey, that was a great talk we had last night. You want to continue it? Like, I don't, you know. Yeah. Like, waiting two whole days? The, the logic was not to seem desperate. I don't know that that's helpful. D- I mean, it depends who you are and who the other person is and where you are and, like, what stages of life and what else is going on. I'm 32. We're just at the desperate stage. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that's crazy, though, because, like, even... So I started a new job a few months ago, and, like, even when somebody from work gives me their number and they're like, hey... Um, if you want me to pick up your Saturday or whatever, like, text me and let me know. Or if I do the, the the same, like, if somebody texts me and they're like, hey, do you work at such and such time? I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> like, even if I give them my number, like, the day before, I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Like, get off of my shifts. Like, fuck, what, go yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the rules of phone were also different 10 years ago, though. Because, like, yeah. remember 10 years ago when you had to, like, you bought so many texts per month. Oh, yeah. So you had to like pick and choose what texts you're going to send. You had to be careful because of that. And then no one had unlimited texting and mm-hmm. Wi-Fi wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. when texting apps came out. And so it was like, as long as you had Wi-Fi, like you could text yeah. however much you wanted. And that like blew my mind. Like my little like 16 year old mind. <laughs> I, I was a wee baby child. <laughs> I got my first phone when I was 16 and there was no texting. Yeah. Because yeah. it was just, it was a Nokia brick cell phone. I played and... snakes so much on those. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and that was, and that was only because I was driving. And even yeah. then, it was like you had mi- like no texting. You had minutes. Yeah, you yeah. only had so many but minutes you could use on it. Free calls after nine. Yeah, I remember I that. Don't, I, don't I had free calls after nine. So like whenever I nice. my high school girlfriend, I'd call at nine p.m. every uh-huh. night. Oh, it was free. Yep. The other weird advice people kept giving me, and I think this is this is one is like the one they only give to the guys is men over forty that heard I was engaged would come over and either ask me about our sex life. Ugh. Or tell me that I wasn't going to have sex anymore Ugh. after I got married. <laughs> oh um, my God. And it's just weird. 
I don't want to like comment. Is, is it though? <laughs> it's very male. It's very yeah. toxically masculine. You know, I think I've seen stuff like that. Like I've seen um It's real. Right. Yeah. Well, like like uh, on Pinterest like cuz I'm like big into Pinterest. Yeah. And if you ever want to hurt yourself and just have a bad day, like type in wedding into Pinterest and yeah. see what pops up and so much of it is beyond the whole cute fairy lights and flowers yeah. and stuff are like the wedding toppers where it's like the She's, lady yeah. dragging the guy in chains behind him and I'm just like, what are you what? This isn't some type of like, are you, did you just kidnap your husband? Is this like the reverse bride cat snatching right. thing? Like, what is this? Like, like Amer- I think it's especially American culture does yeah. that. Yeah. Um, But that is just like so toxic to be like, oh, the old ball and chain. Like, yeah. if you don't love her, leave her. Like, oh <laughs> like, my God. When we were planning the wedding, I was hanging out at a bar with some friends and I had to pick the champagnes we were going to try. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to the bartender and she told me that they had a wedding party and this man kept slipping into the bar and getting Long Island iced teas. And then she was like, all right, well, you want to get fucked up? Whatever. It's just because Long Island iced teas, if you go to a bar and you order one, you are look like an alcoholic. Bartenders do not like you if you do that. Yeah. Because it's just like 17 liquors on top of each other or whatever yes. it is. And it's just it's a bad look. If you want to get really fucked up, just drink straight one. Yeah. Just yeah. Get a nice whiskey or a nice scotch or a cheap one if you're cheap. Yeah. Just do shots. Don't do a Long Just... Island iced tea. It's less embarrassing to do a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but so the guy kept coming in every couple minutes to get another Long Island or over mm. hours. And then at the end, the whole wedding party comes in and they announce the groom and the same guy steps out. And the bartender looked at me and said, like, if you feel like you need to get that drunk to get married, you probably are marrying the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that was very good advice. Yeah. Because if you need, like, liquid lubricant, I get if you have to, like, do a speech or something, you have to do the dance in front of everybody and you're a little embarrassed. Right, yeah. Being in front of people is not everyone's thing. But, like, if you feel like you need to get, like, super fucked up to get get married, you're probably not with the best person. Right. Unless they're getting super fucked up, too. And then you got, like, some kind of balance there. <laughs> that's, right. That's a different ceremony. Yeah, you just, like, the bride and groom do shots together. Shots, 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 shots. You may now snort the coke. <laughs> Oh I pronounce you addict and addict. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Kiss. Uh, That's great. Um, yeah. I actually, um, I, you know, actually speaking of weddings, I found some stuff on the honeymoon. Um, so when I when I was growing up, I had always heard that the word money honeymoon came from like like Old Norse or like the Teutonic region with it's the you spend a month after the ceremony drinking wine, which is made of honey or yeah. mead, which is made of honey, it's honey wine. And then that was where apparently that's completely false. That was something oh. that some Victorian dude came up with. Like it came there's literally no basis in it. Lame. It was like disproven cool. in like like that sounds really 1880. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. wish I had done that. Same. <laughs> Um, On the to-do list, <laughs> get shit-faced for a month yeah. after the wedding. <laughs> but a really cool thing, though, is that they did a study in 2015 on, like, marriages mm-hmm. and, like, how well they last um, based on weird little factors. Uh-oh. But, but one of the things they found is that um, couples who engage in the honeymoon has a lower risk of divorce, regardless of how much or how little is spent on the honeymoon itself. So, like, I guess it's something along the lines of if you, if you just take, like, that week or two weeks to just 
to be with each other for a while with nothing else, like, helps cement your relationship. However, they actually did say it only lowers it by the risk of a divorce by a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we did not do a honeymoon because we couldn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got married June 3rd, and we, we moved from Connecticut to Tulsa right after the wedding. So it was like we got married June 3rd, and we drove down June 7th. How long was your road trip? Four days. Five five days i think that's it's, just a road trip i think that was your honeymoon low, we don't low, count low. it um, uh, i keep telling betsy that like our three years in tulsa is our honeymoon uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the ideal location mm-hmm. yeah they had one they had an increased risk though of high spending and incurring of significant debt on the other wedding related expenses greatly increased your risk of divorce later <laughs> who would have thought yeah. Our wedding was cheap AF. <laughs> you good. You good, bro. We got our haul for 50 bucks. Nice. Wow, nice. And Betsy's uncle did the food, and we paid him. I don't remember how much, but we paid him. Yeah. Well, probably less than, like, a, a, yeah. one of these yeah. caterer things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a caterer, but oh, okay. we yeah, got, right. like, the family discount, thankfully. Yeah. Thank you, Johnson, if you're listening. Johnson uncle. He's definitely not listening. (laughs) He would hate the idea of podcasts if someone told him about them. I was maid of honor once, and after that I just, like, attended weddings. But I was a maid of honor for for my best friend in college. And I want to say she spent something, like, insane. Like, $4,500 on just the food alone. Mm-mm. That's like, actually a reason for like a wedding. That's not like that that's like a normal. Yeah, but I'm like forty five hundred dollars. That was basically the down payment on her terrible little house that she bought. It wasn't terrible. It was just tiny. But like, Damn. yeah, like that. Yeah. But as soon as the vendors hear wedding, the price goes up like oh, 20 30 yeah. percent. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same for like engagement rings. Like if you were to look oh, up yeah. like like a, a a ruby engagement ring, like you'd find a ring for like. $700. If you look up a ruby That's ring, cheap. you're gonna... F- yeah. yeah. If you look up a ruby ring, you're gonna find shit for like... Mm, 100 bucks maybe. 50 Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of myths, if there's any guys looking for pose, the three months of salary to pay for an engagement ring is absolute horseshit put out by the diamond industry. Yep. So please don't feel pressured to buy this three month salary ring because it's absurd. Mm-hmm. And it is literally just marketing people telling you you're cheap. If you don't give them more money. Yeah. I, oh, for sure. Okay, so knowing mine and the boy toy's salary for, like, three months, I cannot imagine having that much money on, like, okay, here's the thing. So I am super klutzy, right? Like, I got a, a concussion in a mosh pit. Like, I bit, like, I, <laughs> this is super embarrassing. I went to kiss the boy toy, and I bit his tooth on accident, and I chipped his tooth. Like, you, when you say bit his tooth, <laughs> you mean your two teeth touched around his one tooth? <laughs> Because he was laying down, and I oh went to kiss God. him, and he, like, leaned up to kiss me, and I was just, like, a, I fell, and I, like, bit his tooth. Okay. But so on <laughs> either side of his tooth were yeah. your teeth? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm super klutzy. So that's the moral of the story, right? Like, I've dislocated a rib li- lifting boxes. Like, like I'm terrible. I cannot imagine having three months' salary on my hand at all times just, like, look at me. Let me go, like, fuck around and lose this fucking ring. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Uh-huh. Also, like, especially, I mean, I'm going to take this from, from more of a p- female perspective because it's like the people receiving the engagement ring and the kind of heteronormative, yeah. you know, thing here. Especially my generation, which is like, I'm, I'm an older millennial. Mm. Um, we couldn't care less about diamonds. Yeah. Diamonds, there's like, fuck diamonds. They're, they're clear 
shiny, uh, you know, rocks. That's right. it'd be like, I would so love to have like an amethyst ring. And like, cause like my friends who've gotten married, almost all of them, like they, they specifically requested anything but a diamond. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, I want something else. Or I like this, or I want hematite or whatever. And so like they had rings that like meant something to them and to the relationship. And so it was like more symbolizing, which is what it was supposed to do in the first place. Yeah. Symbolizing the relationship, the individual relationship you have with a, with, with yeah. your significant other. My sister got an opal. Like, and she, well, she yeah. picked it out, but, like, that that's what she got. And, and it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, maybe, like, a sixteenth the cost of, like, any of the other rings they were looking at. For sure, What's yeah. What's the blue stone? Is that... Which one? Sapphire? Yeah, the I think I got Betsy blue? Sapphire. Nice. I got her a blue ring. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I know Because she, she likes blue. <laughs> she likes... It's her favorite color. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck diamonds. Yeah. yeah, we're we're going to kill the diamond industry. Like like it's dying and we're gonna put the death blows into it. But like uh, that's a joke. But at the same time, like we kind of are because A, they're artificially inflated in, in price. Mm-hmm. And and B They come they, from questionable resources a lot of times. They come from questionable resources. I've and, seen Blood Diamond. Uh, and then three, like, millennials tend to look for meaningful things. And we engage much more in the story and the sentiment behind the thing than the thing itself. Mm-hmm. We like to find the meaning in the product, not necessarily the product itself. And so diamonds, which is nothing but artificial product, it has no meaning. Like they're like, and the meaning that you can find in it is frequently horrifying and sickening. So yeah. that I mean, it makes sense that millennials are like, a, it's expensive, and b, it's worthless to me because it doesn't offer me a significant emotional value. Yeah, like that's what millennials are looking for, and so. I mean, that's why I'm like, I want an amethyst. You want peridot and, and uh, emerald. You know, like, yeah. you know, like we're looking for the things, the individual things that have sentimentality to us, not just something that some guy sold us. Yeah, yeah. Fuck capitalism. Fuck capitalism. We killed. <laughs> we killed TGI Friday. We can get you next. <laughs> and Applebee's, bitch. We're going Applebee's next. Okay, but I kind of really like Panda Express, though. No, I do, too. Yeah, let's not kill Panda Express, okay? Just millennial, 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 like, got a handshake it. Millennial handshake. (laughs) Promise not to kill. We have to pinky promise. Pinky promise. I will not intentionally kill Panda Express. Me either. Me neither. I love Panda. (laughs) Okay, but so, I actually have a question about pinky swears. The whole, like, pinky swear, and then you, like, some people, like, kiss their thumbs or whatever? What is that? Is that just, like, a a fuckery? I think that's an Americanism. I have no idea. I know, and I know in Korea they seal the pinky swear. I can't do it up by myself, but by like touching your thumbs, mm. like so you do the pinky swear like normal, and then you like reach and you seal it, like you seal the promise by touching your thumbs. Full circle. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the kissing. I guess uh, there's a little bit of like the whole like spit in your hand. <laughs> you imagine like old yeah. gold rush miners or the. Cutting your hand. Yeah. Oh, that's like a terrible blood idea. Blood promise. Yeah, those... I will blood. never blood promise anyone anything. Also, I'm not okay. cutting my wrist with a... Uh, my palm with a knife. Yeah, cut your forearm. There's way less danger areas, yeah. you know, and, like, way I less super, infection. I super don't condone blood oaths or anything because, I mean, like, you don't want to put that on yourself. But at the same time, like, if you're going to do it, do not cut, like... The center of your palm, like if you have to do it, cut like that, like by your thumb, like the that fleshy, yeah. like meaty part right there, because it'll heal better and it'll get less, like less likely to get infected because mm-hmm. you're not constantly grabbing stuff with it. Yep. Like, or just don't do it. You know, just don't, just don't do it. Also, there's like there's so many delicate like tendons and stuff. Yes. That can fuck up the motor control in your hand. 
Yeah, oh, poor, poor Ryan. Just like, like, are you gonna be okay? You're I'm just gonna looking be fine. like nauseous. <laughs> like you look ill. I will be okay. Yeah, I can't. Nope. 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 All right. So this episode has run a little long. So is there anything else that we want to say about soulmates and and like love myths that we have found? Yeah, I did want to and never did mention that, like, uh, there's a Jewish version of Soulmates mm. uh, called the, Lord help me, I'm going to mispronounce this, Beshert. And it's kind of the idea that marriages are made in heaven. So, like, uh. when you get married to somebody or you fall in love with somebody, it's because, like, that's that was pre predestined. And okay. it comes, there's also, like, the Hevruta, I think is how you say it, which is, it's not somebody who completes you, but somebody who... Gives you the opportunity and pushes you to complete yourself. Okay. So that idea, which I thought was super cool. And then I like that idea. Yeah. That kind of like the person who will help like in- inspire you to be a better person. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the Hindus have uh, Gujarati, which is like the link between two souls that cause them to continuously cross paths. Mm. Oh, help okay. each other serve a higher purpose. So I think yeah. that's cool. Anything else, Ryan? The other, I think, pervasive myth in relationships in America, at least, is this idea that you can change your partner for the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's very difficult, especially with, like, terrible, terrible men, like, mm-hmm. to, to not try to change them because mm-hmm. they need to do personal growth on their own. Yeah. yeah. I think change is possible, but to go into a relationship with someone who has, like, a dangerous problem or even just a super annoying problem and think you're going to change them is just a recipe for unhappiness for both people. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, at most, you could be an inspiration for them. The Like, it's that whole, like, that the, there's, it's from, from some famous movie. Like, you make me want to be a better man yeah. kind of thing. Is that The Val with Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams? Never seen that movie, so probably not. Okay. I know I physically have heard it with my own two ears. Um, All right, then. <laughs> But I mean, it's but at the same time, it's such a trope that I feel it like is. it's it's yeah. come over and over again. Um, at most, you can be a inspiration, like the whole like you know. The, I mean, like my partner for sure. I want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and then he just looks at me, who's like, "But I'm hot garbage. <laughs> How the hell did I inspire you to be better?" And I was like, "That's because you have low self esteem." <laughs> yeah. That's a thing, too, to totally avoid wrapping up. Uh, (laughs) The whole, like, you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else thing. Like, I think that's kind of some crap. Because, like, there's, like, this weird gray area between, like, don't get into a relationship to fix somebody slash to make them fix you. You're not a rehabilitation center for somebody else. Yeah, and also, like... The whole um, love yourself before you can love anybody else thing. There's like this weird gray area where it's just kind of like I really like the uh, the Jewish um, um, idea of the Hevruta, which is Yiddish, so I'm probably totally mispronouncing that. But but like you're not meant to fix somebody; they're not meant to fix you. You're just meant to to help each other survive, kind of thing, and yeah. like to grow and to be happy with each other. And right. I like that idea. Which seems way healthier than, you know, what Grease taught me. Yeah. (laughs) Grease the movie, not Grease the country. But also Grease the country. (laughs) I haven't studied much of Grease. I don't know. Maybe all right, maybe not. I've heard a lot of bad things in the news about you lately. (laughs) Also, don't model your relationships after Zeus. Because fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah, because he's definitely trying to fuck everybody else. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) Don't cheat. (laughs) Get consent from all your partners first. Yeah. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think that's all the time we have. This one probably ran a little long, so that we apologize. And anyway, yeah, we'll catch you next time.
like, 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 like. And subscribe to Ask for the Terms on Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter. And visit us on patreon.com slash ATMT. Transcripts for this episode can be found at our WordPress site, asthemythterms.wordpress.com. Our theme song is called Fretless by Kevin McLeod. You can find this song and all his others at incompetent.com. <laughs>